0: The Buckoff Podcast with Land Grant Holy Land. hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome, in everybody! This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing you another episode of the off Podcast with Land Grant Holyland. I am here, as always, with Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm here. That's what I'm doing. I'm here I can't complain actually no I'm I'm good it's been a long day but I got some action on it's muted. Uh, I can't complain talking Buckeye football what's better than that?
0: Yeah there's not much better than that uh, when you uh, start getting football Sunday Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Thursday, Friday, Saturday and then repeats for a whole month that's kind of when it's at its best. Uh, you only get that during November and during bowl season. And I think those are the two best times for football fans on the planet because if you're an NFL and college football fan, there is literally not a day where you're not entertained. And that's the world we want to live in. Yeah, the only sad thing about it is it spells the end of – It's getting close. It's getting close. And Ohio State's only got three regular season games left. And there are three absolutely huge monumental games they got the spoiler makers. They've got Kenneth Walker and the Michigan State Spartans who are coming off a tough loss to the team Ohio State's playing this week. And then they have the vaunted task of taking on their rival at the end of November. As always, it's a great day to talk about Ohio State football as we get you prepared for the game tomorrow. But before we get into Purdue and the Boilermakers, we're going to get through some of these storylines from throughout the week. Uh. I, I want to get started here today with Ohio State's offense. We have kind of discussed this. It's really a, it's really kind of interesting. Their lack of dedication to the run game when they have Travion Henderson, Ryan Day's reasoning behind it. I could kind of understand as a former quarterback, uh, not me myself, but Ryan Day being a former quarterback you know, kind of relying on the pass game in a lot of situations because that's just kind of what he would have wanted as a player. And, you know, that always comes back in your brain when you're a head coach, what you did and what you learned when you were younger. He comes from the Chip Kelly tree. Uh, So a lot of this stuff comes from where he was and where he comes from. But when you have Travion Henderson, when you have Mayan Williams, when you have Master Teague, when you have one elite superstar running back, two very serviceable backs in the Big Ten, you cannot – stop committing to the run game. And it's actually created, I think, some of the biggest issues for Ohio State's offense.
1: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And the biggest issue, and we keep talking about this, it sounds like a broken record, the biggest issue is sometimes it's almost like a... For me, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, in the in the case that Ryan Day is uncreative in the run game, which is not going to work. And then when it doesn't work, he's like, see, I knew it wasn't going to work. Let me pass. Like, you know, and it's like, it's not that the run game is not working. It's that you're not committed to it and you are not running more than one running play. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, it's like, like I said, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like you, you're not dedicated to the run, so it doesn't work. And then you say it doesn't work, let me pass and be less committed to the run. And it's like that's not the answer. The answer is to stay committed and do something else. That's not inside zone.
0: Yeah, honestly. As a team, I this is something that I we saw a lot last year. We saw a lot last year with J.K. Dobbins. Ohio State would constantly run the ball in third and six when teams lighten up the box to cover the receivers, and that's just not something we've seen at all this year. Schematically, I just think Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson as play callers, as offense designers, they need to get back to what made those teams from 2018, or not 2018, but 2019 and 2020 great. And that is balance, like honestly, and you know, I think one thing a lot of former coaches say is when you start off a game pass happy and you never get the run game sort of established, you never even really attempt to do it, offensive linemen get passive. So when you do need that one yard, when you do need that next play, it gets a lot harder because the offensive line is used to stepping back at that point. They're not ready to explode off the ball. They're not ready to go after the guy. And guess what? In past situations, the defensive line's flying off the ball. So they're already used to exploding off the ball, off the snap count. I think I was reading Ross Fulton this week from Buckeye Scoop. I was reading Space Coyote, Breakdown Sports. I don't know his real name. Uh, but they were both talking about how Nebraska and Penn State continue to utilize false fronts and create these weird matchups in the zone that Ohio State runs, leading to numbers advantages for them. What are ways to present that? You either increase numbers in the box so you have it matched up or you start running plays that don't get dictated by zones and they are numbers based.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that hundred percent. The one thing I do want to say uh, to Buckeye fans is Nebraska's defense is really, really good. Um, It's actually, if you look at the totality of the season, it'll probably, even in the playoffs, it'll probably be a top three or four defense that we play. So you think in, you know, 14 total games, if we made it to the national championship, 15 total games, if we made it to the national championship, they're going to be in the top third of defense. So there is issues, but... I don't think that any of the issues are things that can't be fixed and it's not as um, just to be a little positive. It's not as bad as it seems that the two bad, well, not even it's not even bad performances to let well two lesser performances came against good defenses. Um, now you could do doom is gloom and say, well, Georgia's the much better defense. And so if they're doing this against these defenses, what are they going to do against Georgia? And I would say, don't worry about that right now. Um, because they're going." I think that they're going to figure it out. Uh, although we'll see because Purdue has a good defense too. So um, ultimately – All you can do is play good defenses and and figure it out. But it's not like – it's not – Bill Landis was saying this. The offensive issues aren't like the defensive issues. The offensive issues are minor things that they can fix where like the defensive issues had like deep structural things and needed a whole revamp. Like literally offensive line plays a little bit better. C.J. Stroud, you know, remembers that he – doesn't need to give the ball away and we're back to 40, 50 points a game.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think one of the issues and I think Ryan Day and both Kevin Wilson brought it up, is just the execution of the offense has just not been there. And regardless of if it's lack of creativity in the run game or not, Ohio state should never fail to execute a play. They run every single day, a hundred times a day in a third and one situation. That's just something that shouldn't be the case. Uh, When you talk about the passing game, some of those struggles there, those like plays where Stroud's scrambling, where he's not running the ball, you know, that are being the ire of the entire Ohio State fan base. You can't really get too mad at the fact that they're calling these plays when they're just not being executed properly. And it's kind of one of those things where, yes, we could ask them to do different things, but this has been the way they've coached. This has been the way they've coached since Ryan Day's taken over. And at times we've seen these struggles with other quarterbacks. Specifically, we saw similar struggles, the Dwayne Haskins year, where Ohio State lacked the run game, the distinct run game that they should have had. And it ended up being put on Dwayne Haskins' shoulder as a young quarterback. And at times that's not exactly what you need. So overall, you know, Ohio State's going to ride their three, All world receivers are going to ride Travion Henderson. But the biggest issue is the offensive line needs to play better. And the team as a whole needs to execute better in key situations.
1: Yeah, essentially. Um, I mean, I'm not the I know a lot about offensive line, but I'm not the offensive line expert. And I haven't, uh, you know, went back and watched the film. But, you know. Bill Landis was talking about how Paris Johnson hasn't really played well this year. And I honestly believe that because he's not a guard. Like, he's been like, I just don't think that he's been better than guards. Um, And I think it would be, you know, hard to take him off the field. But I wonder if it would make sense to take him off the field and put Matthew Jones in there, who is actually a guard. Um, I know we talk a lot about, you know, taking Thayer off the field because that's technically whose spot he took. But it's like Thayer has probably played better than Paris Johnson Thayer's has. been
0: Thayer graded out as a champion again, and we know that, you know, when you throw 50 times and you have one of the best pass protectors in the game, you know, it's going to be a little bit easier for him to grade out as a champion in that scenario. But... Yeah, Paris Johnson. I haven't seen the PFF grades. I stopped looking at those kind of early in the season because they just didn't make any sense. But I remember Paris Johnson Jr. was not grading out too well. Uh, he was consistently the lower end. And I hate calling out a player because, number one, he's out of position, which you brought up. Like, he has never played guard in his life. It is a different position. It is different in the way you step. It is different in the way you're supposed to block. It is different in the way your pad level has to be. And it's not great when you don't have that functional strength that a lot of guards have just due to their, I guess, more stout nature than a tackle. Uh, They are, it's a different position. It really just is truly a different position. You don't see uh, a lot of tackles and a lot of guards changing that much. So at the end of the day, I think when you talk about Paris Johnson Jr., maybe the fifth Option is Matthew Jones there. Maybe that's better because you get the leverage on that side. And that seemed to be the side where the interior penetration was coming from mostly in the few plays that I focused on in my film review. But uh, when you're in stretch and you're getting beat in through your inside gap, that immediately is going to end that play because stretch is a long developing play to the outside. So if you give up the A gap, it's over. And that seems to be happening way
1: yeah, that's, that is facts. Um, so, it, it'll be – I mean, the offensive line – well, Ryan Day doesn't seem to believe that, we, like, picking a five or rotating has been an issue or – At least he won't say it publicly because that's how he answered the question in the press conference when asked about that. And so I don't think that's going to change. And especially with three games left, I just think that whatever they have to do, they just have to play better. Like, essentially, like, they have to to play better. And Ryan Day has to coach better. And... That sounds simple, but it really is simple. Like, it's not this long, drawn-out thing that they have to fix. Because even, you know, even if you're not going to put up 50 against everyone, if you start coaching the game like you coached it against the teams you were putting up 50, you're going to score more than what you're scoring now. Um, and he has gone away from that. And the players aren't playing as good. Um I think there is something to say about the kind of odd fronts and, and different stuff like that. Like one thing that's just hard for people to deal with, and we're not making excuses, just trying to show all the angles. But one thing that's really hard for offensive lines to deal with is a slanting, uh, and not a lot of defensive lines slant, because if you slant the wrong way, you're going to give up a big play. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what slanting is means it's exactly, you know, what it is. Like they choose a slot, they choose a side and they all just run that way. So instead of playing straight up or instead of, you know, trying to cover gaps or anything like that, if they slant right, everyone just runs right immediately. You slant left, everyone just runs left immediately, regardless of where the play is going. And if you slant the wrong way, like if you slant to the right, and they have like a pitch play the opposite way, you just took all of your defensive linemen out the, out of the out of the play, which is why most teams don't slant anymore so it's hard to block slant but if you slant the right way if you slant and they're running up the middle or like chris said if you're running a stretch and they and you slant the direction of the stretch you have a really good chance of messing that play up so it's it's very boomer bust it's all or nothing and it's also hard to block but Just because it's hard to block doesn't mean anything because Ohio State's offensive line should be good enough to block it. So you can explain it and you can give, you know, reasons and things like that. But the expectation still should be that they should have more than four touchdowns and 27 drives, which is what it's been over the last couple of games. And they should be able to score in the red zone uh, and, and they should be able to run the ball.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's really, it's really, it's like, it's a combination of a lot of things, and it's something that Ohio State's going to need to fix, especially coming down the stretch, because Purdue is really good in the front seven, and they will be able to create some of this havoc that Penn State has. And what good college coaches do is they see what teams the previous week did well against their opponent, and they implement it themselves in the way they know how. And... If we keep seeing these mistakes, that is going to be an indictment on the coaching staff, more so than the players. I
1: agree, but I think half of the issues is on the coaching staff anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's where it all comes back to is Ryan Day and the offensive staff need to be better, especially in the run game. Uh, The passing game, uh, I think we could all agree that outside of a few mental mistakes, they were fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, C.J. Stroud just had a game, and again, like I keep, I listened to the podcast today, so I keep like thinking. But they, they made good points. Bill Landis was talking about this before, and he was like, essentially, like when he was watching the game, he was like, this reminded him of J.T. Barrett against Iowa after they beat Penn State when they lost, and J.T. Barrett threw four interceptions, and he was like, the only difference is they won this game, where it was just and. and for those of you who don't listen to the podcast or don't have the athletic, essentially all he was trying to say is there's not, this is not an indictment on the season or on the entire thing. It was just a bad, like the quarterback had a bad day, but unlike Iowa with JC Barrett, they still won the game. And I have trouble with this phrase in the moment, but when you get me out of the moment, I understand. You have to win your clunkers. Yeah. You have to win their bad games, and this was a clunker for CJ Stroud, but they still won. And yeah, you know,
0: college football season fight to live on another day. College football seasons are long, and in our presser takeaways, we're going to sort of get into a little bit of what Ryan Day even kind of said on that, and in. Uh, An argument that we don't want another fan base to hear winning is important and winning the games in front of you are important, uh, but you do need to dominate at times. And Ohio State's shown that they can be a dominant football team, which is extremely important. And like Jordan said, you have to win these tough games. Nebraska was playing for their season. Once again, we had back-to-back games where teams were playing for their long-term goals. And, that's never easy fighting someone with their back against the wall. And Ohio state got out of both those games with a win, and it wasn't pretty, but they found out a lot about themselves. And I think you said it last week. uh, These are the types of games that you look back at and you hope they're the ones that made the team mentally tough enough to win close games against better teams. Yeah. And that takes us into the next little quick topic here. We're going to get into Purdue. Uh, they absolutely handled Michigan State for the majority of the game. Michigan State made it close late. Uh, earlier in the year, they absolutely handled Iowa. So after the Iowa game, they ended up losing 30 to 13 against Wisconsin, who just took a physical approach and absolutely sort of dominated Purdue. Uh, it's hard to win top five games. Um You don't usually get that many opportunities in a season, and Purdue is getting a third opportunity to win against a top five ranked opponent. Uh, Jordan, how are you feeling, I guess, first initial thoughts on this Purdue team? Because looking at it, defensively, I think they're a very solid team, especially in the front seven. Offensively, it seems like it's uh, Aiden O'Connell and David Bell and then a, a few guys kind of stepping in when they need them. Uh, what are your initial takeaways? Uh, I know you discuss these types of things on I-70 and in your big thoughts. Uh, but for the audience here, how should they be looking at this Purdue team?
1: Uh, well, first things first, they need to hope that Purdue is ranked. Um Excuse me So just behind the curtain We're recording this on Tuesday So the rankings haven't come out yet Which is why I say hope Uh, They will come out while we're recording So at some point we will discuss them But for those listening to it right now I don't know what the rankings are And so Ohio State better hope that they're ranked because if Purdue is ranked, maybe it takes away some of that upset magic because all of these wins, these 17 wins, has come while Purdue was unranked. So maybe putting a number next to their name, they, they just don't have the the same anger and the and the same will to fight. Uh, that That's step number one. Uh, number two is, um, you know, we talk about this, and I've said this before, Ryan Day honestly hasn't um, – uh, Ryan Day hasn't shown too many, um, too many times of him like undervaluing opponents and stuff like that. He's had some bad games. This was the worst game that he's ever coached, but it's not like his teams don't really show up. So I don't believe that they would have ever overlooked Purdue. But now with two top five wins, and honestly, I don't think David Bell is the best wide receiver in the Big Ten. This is weird to say; he may not even be top five. I mean, I know it's going to like sound stupid, but like that's just how good you know the Big Ten is. But whatever his ranking in the Big Ten is, he's an NFL player, and he as long as he stays healthy, he's probably going to have a long career. So he's someone you have to worry about. And then George Karloftis is probably the best defensive player in the big 10. I'm not even sure it's close. He's most likely a top five, top 10 defensive player in all of college football. And he's going to be the second defensive end taken in the draft. If he's not the second defensive end taken, it's either because someone fell in love with a prospect or, um, their scouting department is terrible. Um, Maybe they'll take Aiden Hutchinson over him. But I, I like Aiden Hutchinson, who, uh, for those who don't know, I'm just shouting out names. Aiden Hutchinson is a defensive end for uh, Michigan. Maybe they'll take him over him. But I think George Karloff, this is better. So there's nothing that showcases that Ohio State should ever have taken Purdue lightly. And they're definitely not going to take Purdue lightly, lightly now. Um, the interesting thing about this game or the thing that should uh, potentially worry Buckeye fans, Purdue has absolutely no run game.
0: They already know. Outside of Rondell Moore, they haven't really ever been able to establish a run game with Jeff Rahm as their head coach.
1: Yeah. But what's slightly different between some of those other teams is they fully, this year, they fully committed to just passing the ball. They fully committed to just pass the ball. Um And so that's just be scary for Ohio State because we're good on the outside, but we're not good in the middle and we're definitely not good deep. And the passing game is boom or bust, but it can be an equalizer. And just think about it. What is Purdue going to most likely going to do? They're going to watch this film and they're going to say, hmm, we're going to get in bunch and we're going to send David Bell up against number 12 and number 17, and they and do that too many work. times he starts getting touchdowns. So that's the thing. Like, this is a, a very easily winnable game. Uh, George Coloff, this is great, but Ohio State has showed almost no weaknesses at all in pass coverage, so I'm not worried about a whole bunch of game-changing sacks. Um, I know that seems may seem contradictory because I just said he's the best defensive player in the Big Ten. but You got the, two of the like, best tackles in the Big Ten. Exactly. So like, not that he's not going to get home. I just don't see game changing sacks. It's really, it's just, it's the pass defense. They just can't give up big plays. They can't give up a lot of big plays. Uh, they're going to have to be solid and they're going to have to hope and pray that Purdue doesn't just put David Bell in the slot and let him work on number 12 all day.
0: Yeah. And, uh, that's kind of that was kind of what I was thinking, because kind of just doing my initial look at what they did and getting to watch the Purdue Michigan State game in its entirety, uh, it was a show on him whenever he got one-on-one matchups. And I just don't think Michigan State has a corner of the caliber of Denzel Burke. But what Purdue does exceptionally well as an offense is create matchups due to numbers and in space and in crisscrossing receivers and creating confusion at the line of scrimmage, which as we've seen countless times has given Ohio state problems. Like you alluded to Nebraska took advantage of it. Tulsa took advantage of it. Oregon took advantage of it. Almost every single team that has the personnel that can function in that sort of formation has taken advantage of it at some point in their games. And I think what you brought up about George Karloftis is the point I wanted to bring up as well Is like, I don't think our tackles are the issue. And I don't think pass protection has been the issue at all this year. So I don't see him having an impact there, but he is a really good defender against the run as well. And that could be interesting because defensive ends have been very disruptive against Ohio state's running game the last few weeks, whether that's due to a delayed handoff, kind of getting taken in the backfield because Ohio state steps away from them or just, just out of pure disruptive nature of a defensive end. So it's gonna be interesting. I think it's a great matchup for the Buckeyes. It's definitely not one they are going to take lightly because, like you said, they're they're the spoiler makers. You cannot take a team that is so upset-minded lightly. <laughs> But also, like, I do think we have to give them credit.
1: And they're the spoiler makers, sure. But this is not a typical season for them. And, like, where they're spoiling other people's seasons, this is a season where they are actually have some goals themselves. Like, this isn't, you know, two-win Purdue that's spoiling someone's season. They're 6-3. and They're a good football team. They're in a four-way tie for first place in the Big Ten West. And – Honestly, if I'm going to take a shot here, if they play the SEC out-of-conference schedule, they may be 7-2 uh, and two or 8-1. and one. They're 6-3 and three because they played Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame's a good football team, but they're better than Purdue. Um, as a, you know, thing to make Ohio State fans feel better, we are better than Notre Dame, so if Notre Dame beat them, we should beat them, but that doesn't mean we're going to. But, like, if they wouldn't have played Notre Dame, if they would have played uh, – Directional school, they would be eight and two, and uh, that's wrong math. They would be. I am not good with math. They would be seven and two, and first place solely of the Big Ten West.
0: Yeah. So yeah, this is not like like you never take your uh, crossover opponents lightly because that's just kind of. what's it called, you know, uh, bragging rights. You know, you want the Big Ten East to be better than the Big Ten West. But Ohio State has had a history, not under Ryan Day, but under a certain other coach that me and Jordan talk a lot of trash about. But we 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 like him. We respect what he did. Uh, but we don't respect how bad he was in cross-division matchups after big wins. And no, He's
1: absolutely losing this game. Yeah. Well, no,
0: he's losing Nebraska. Yeah. He may win this game. He's losing Nebraska. And then – Uh, I do think so. This is kind of those games, you know, a lot of Ohio State, Ohio State fans buy into the noise a lot and they are seeing the spoiler makers and they're like, okay, like Purdue, they're starting to get the flashbacks to Rondell Moore running all over them. Uh, To me, this is like the type of game where everyone's kind of out on Ohio State and like expecting a battle. And that's usually when Ryan Day takes it extremely personal. And ends up kind of just hammering a team that has been playing well.
1: Yeah. And that's, I was going to say that, but like, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to pick that to happen because of what happened with Nebraska. Yeah. When I we're going to stop.
0: Game. We're going to start reverse jinxing these games because. <laughs>
1: but I, I do think that this game could be a blowout. Um, uh, it's just Ohio State has a, a lot to Ohio State has a lot to prove, but at the same time they don't have a lot to prove because everyone in college football sucks. Like ultimately, I do. I I just want to continue to say that. For I I don't know about you, and I don't know about the people listening. The noon game, as much as I say I love noon games, noon games would lead to a, a bunch of overreactions for me, and then like and then like you watch the rest of the game, and it's like oh.
0: Yeah, everyone,
1: the, everyone to, to sold LSU.
0: Ohio State stock, and then At like the three thirty games happened. Oh, wins by eight against a <laughs> terrible Washington team. Alabama beats LSU by six and had them on the ropes. Cincinnati
1: should have lost to Tulsa, yeah. but they're cool. Oh my, oh my gosh! I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. If I was Tulsa. I would ask the coach to bench the quarterback. I don't care if he's the best player on the team. You can't slide on the inch line. Lower your shoulder. If CJ Stroud ever if CJ Stroud ever slid on an inch line in a game where we needed a touchdown, what would Buckeye fans say? Uh,
0: I don't think CJ Stroud would be allowed on the plane if it was a road game. And I don't think uh, Buckeye fans would be very happy with him rolling out as a starter the very next week.
1: And here's the thing. There's no guarantee that they would have won the game because they still need a two-point conversion. But what I do know is they didn't get a touchdown at all. Because he slid on the inch line instead of lowering his shoulder. Even if you don't get it, you at least lowered your shoulder and tried. You just gave up. And it's an inch. You lower your shoulder, you stick the ball out, it's a touchdown. Like, you dive, it's a touchdown. Like, you try to jump over him. Like, I'm all for player safety and stuff like that. But it's the inch line for a touchdown. Same thing with first down. Like, I hate when players, like, run out of bounds right before the first down and you have a third and short. And it's like, yeah, sure, maybe you should pick up a third and short. But you know what? you wouldn't have to pick up the third and short if you would have just got the first down. Yeah. So, but a touchdown late in the game when you need to tie it, that is just egregious. That's, that's disrespectful. Um, and I could not look him in his eye. And And they,
0: they had the ball still at the half yard line and they had the touchdown. He just let go of the football. Yeah, but the, it shouldn't have happened because he shouldn't have slid, but God, they had so many chances and Honestly, leading up to it, the craziest thing happened. It was already over, and then Cincinnati fumbled the snap. That was insane. That was a crazy-ass game so yeah it, it's everyone, like, sucks. Okay. everyone sucks sucks Wake right. Forest lost Ohio, <laughs> yeah.
1: Ohio State you know feels a little bit better it feels a little bit better it's not as bad it's good when everyone has a clunker the same day
0: yeah um, it was a clunker Saturday and you know even Oklahoma in their bye week kind of had a clunker because their fans had a huge L with RJ Young once again uh so uh, they they found a way to lose during the bye week. They're going to find a way to lose tonight on this college football playoff ranking show, which unfortunately still hasn't happened because college basketball takes the last five minutes longest ever. So um, we're still waiting on those rankings. To, I'm going to just put this out here. If you're watching college basketball
1: when Maxon's on, I don't like we're not friends. I'm just – I'm sorry. We can be friends when football season's over. I just can't understand watching basketball when football season's on. And I'm really joking because I don't care what you do with your free time. I'm just – I don't watch basketball when football's on. I just like to throw that out there because, like, they really just move this around. And it's like, this is game one. They play, like, 40 games. And then they have March Madness. Like, is this really that important today?
0: Yeah, <laughs> count, count it up. November, December – January, February, March, and then it doesn't end until April. That's a six-month season. Yeah, you don't need all that. The NBA is worse. Like I don't even know why they're playing NBA games. Right? I don't know why it's so long. This is just complaints outside of this show. So you guys actually get to hear some of our other sports opinions. And like basketball yeah. season's too long. So is baseball season.
1: Yeah, it is. Like there's 100%. no reason
0: your sport should span over three seasons. Like summer, winter, fall. You know what I'm saying? There's zero reason. a season. Yeah. like pick a
1: season Come on now. There's no first of all for college sports, there's no
0: reason your sports should be in two semesters. No it's like everyone talks about like academia being like a key factor but when you make college basketball players travel as much as they do and do it for as long as they have to do, uh, I, I really think uh, you can't honestly say that academics are the priority of a college basketball season.
1: Yeah. And it's like they they're literally they don't even get a Christmas break. And like you could you could say that football doesn't get a Christmas break, but like players can opt out of that. And unless you're going to the national championship or a New Year's six game, you do get a Christmas break because most of the games are done before that. Like at most of most bowl games are done before the cut the, 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 the semesters over because. Like the college that I work at, our semester ends December 18th. It ends the week before Christmas. So like, but like, so unless you're going to the New Year's, you're good. But like college basketball, they go, they do these tournaments because we know they do these tournaments because we watch football the day after Christmas, basketball. We watch college basketball the day after Christmas or two days after Christmas. Like, how do you think they did that? They didn't go home.
0: Yeah, they practiced. They ate the nice team meal that gets put together. But it's not the same as a home-cooked meal, and they all know that. And that's kind of sad when you think about it. So, yeah, no two-semester sports from here on out. Um, yeah, we'll get more into the Purdue-Ohio State game here in the second half of this show. I got the history of the spoiler makers. I got a nice little spreadsheet made. But Before we get into that, let's get into – The press conference and a few of the kind of major talking points. You know, it's always nice when we get to hear Kevin Wilson talk about the offense because it gives you that second opinion about the offense that you don't usually get because Ryan Day usually takes it. Who is
1: that? I thought Ryan Day was the offensive play, the offensive coordinator, head coach, QB coach, play caller, and
0: everything else. Yeah, if
1: you listen to the if you listen to the broadcast,
0: what so it sounds you know. like. But there is a second man in charge uh, a little bit. He's he's a uh, he's, he's 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 he knows what he's doing. Like Kevin Wilson's a really good football coach. I uh, had an unfortunate ending at Indiana. That's why we got him for the price we did. And then we get to hear from Noah Ruggles and Marcus Williamson. Uh, Noah Ruggles, Mr. Clutch Gene. So looking at the presser bullets, uh, I am very interested in a few of these conversation topics that were brought up. It was a great week for the beat writers. They got a lot of people. But uh, this was in the opener. I'm starting with this one. Uh, On CJ Stroud not running the ball as much as some think he should. It's hard to tell somebody what to do in those situations. You have to trust your instincts. Day says Stroud has extended plays at times with his legs. Day says there might have been a couple of plays where Stroud might have been able to pick three or four yards. Uh, from what I'm hearing there, I know and you know that C.J. Stroud is being coached to throw in those situations. Because he's a quarterback. Yeah, And that's yeah, and- the modern way quarterbacks are being taught.
1: And the math, here's the thing. There are occasionally plays where he gets no yards. Like, they drop the pass. But for Stroud, like, as a running quarterback, he typically gets more yards when he throws it anyway. And I think it also depends on who you're playing. Like, you think of the last two games, right? Penn State and Nebraska. Penn State's linebackers played ungodly. Nebraska's linebacker, whatever his name is, he's one of the best. He he may be the singular best linebacker in the Big Ten. If not, he's two or three.
0: He is literally going to destroy C.J. Stroud if he runs the ball. Yeah, and I think and a lot of people think C.J. Stroud's this freak athlete because his first play that was really notable was a long run. But just because you're vertically fast on a read option doesn't mean – you're gonna outrun linebackers consistently. But not only that, right? Here's the thing.
1: That guy is a good is a good is a good athlete. And we know this because he's playing man coverage against our wide receivers and almost intercepting the ball. Like literally a wide receiver, some of it was zoned, but like literally a wide receiver is keeping up with our wide a, a linebacker is keeping up with our wide receivers.
0: Yeah, Nebraska had some freaky linebackers, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know they had those guys. So so what do you think they're doing to C.J. Stroud? The, the reason – like, and Stroud gaining one or two yards isn't any worse. My issue, and I wrote about this in the film review, wasn't him not running. It was him making a bad decision throwing the ball really late outside and not really giving it just to, to his receiver – is the fact you should have just thrown it away because there was a linebacker closing out. You don't want to risk him hurting his AC joint any further because those, those hurt and those are hard to recover from. And you don't want – you want to live to see another day. And that was my issue with some of the plays. Uh, these linebackers, linebackers are not a joke anymore. they are they're never been a joke. They're crazy. They want to hit quarterbacks. They want every opportunity to. And, uh, you know, they're not big in – slow big dudes like what was his name uh cats in the uh cats and meyer in the 90s where they get these big hits in the hole uh these guys can move like jordan was saying they are covering receivers they are out in space they are pass rushing they do everything now they have to it's about creating value uh just because cj stroud's fast does not mean he's faster than a lot of (laughs) yeah And he's also not that fast.
1: He's not. He's not. He's not slow, but he's not that fast. He's not fast enough for y'all to be
0: complaining about him not yeah, running. Yeah, like you guys he's are like acting Field. like he's Justin Fields. Uh, honestly, a lot of Iowa State fans are acting like he's Michael Vick, and that's just not true. It's far from. it. Yeah. He is a pocket passer. He was recruited as a pro-style quarterback, and he has some sneaky athleticism. The best athlete in the quarterback room is Jack Miller. And he's the only one who runs it consistently. And I, we and Jordan have told you this whole year they will start telling him to scramble more when these yards matter more. And that's just the case. They're going to start calling more quarterback read options when the games are much more, uh, once the opponent's much more challenging. Yeah, what's the game matters forward. more.
1: You don't call it when you don't need it, especially when your quarterback's injured. And now that we know what it is, like an AC joint is not something you can even fix. Like it's not even something you can like have surgery and stuff on. It just it's has not to something heal. that you're going to do midseason anyway. So like y'all, y'all remember when I was like, oh, he has on shoulder pads. He should run the ball because it's hard to injure your shoulder. Yeah, throw that away. That's when it's a that's when it's a muscle. Yeah. That's when it's like it a, not hard. You know, a slightly a slightly torn labrum, something like that. When it's your AC joint, nah, that's different. You can injure that. <laughs> like that's not like muscle joint entirely different. So he needs to not be running and not be taking these hits because that is not something, especially at this point in the season. If he has to miss a week, what's me what what is he missing? What what week is he missing? Is he missing Michigan state. He missing Michigan. He's missing the big 10 championship game. Like there are no weeks left for him to miss. We're not playing Akron.
0: Yeah. Zero, a hundred percent. And that's kind of what I wanted to take on in the next part, because Kevin Wilson brought this up as well. And Wilson, once again, said never told Stroud not to run and that the plays we've emphasized have not been as much quarterback oriented run, but Wilson did add to that saying, that Stroud has made the right choices most of the time with continuing to scramble for a pass because he's once again, a quarterback and me and Jordan will beat this dead horse until you guys understand it. This is our fight. I have a lot of fights, but this is one of them. This is, this is something we've been telling you and CJ Stroud pulled the read option. They ran the speed option and they are starting to integrate it a little bit more as we told you would happen throughout the season, but he's not being coached to run. That's just facts.
1: And that speed option didn't have that much
0: speed. It is not very fast. It was honestly just to kind of get Henderson out in a little bit more open field, and it worked in that way. Uh, but yeah, uh, the big thing that was brought up in this as well as Garrett Wilson's returning from his injury, I just kind of wanted to do a little news update on that. Uh, he was missed, but Jackson Smith and Jacoba pretty much took all the stats Garrett Wilson would have had and added them to himself. And then that's kind of that takeaway. And then uh, did you see anything from your side when you're kind of watching this, reading through it, uh, that kind of stood out to you from these guys?
1: Yeah, something Marcus Williamson stood out to me because it's something that I said earlier today or yesterday. Um He said, I think other teams often make good plays, make the big ones sometimes. He continued to say that he thinks the coaches have a good plan of attack, but I don't care about that. Again, he said, I think other teams make good plays, uh, often make good plays, make the big ones sometimes. We say this all the time, but I feel it for some reason it needs to be reiterated. Even at Ohio State, where 98% of the time your athletes are better other teams are on scholarship.
0: Other coaches Other teams are coaches paid.
1: coaches make millions. You are not going to shut everything down. Sometimes they make good plays because that is their job. Their job is to make good plays. Some, sometimes their offensive play calling puts you in a bind where you have to pick your poison. And as people say, if you pick your poison, you're still picking poison. They did that. I'm I'm just going to roll this into defending number 17 because everyone who knows nothing what they're talking about wants to talk about him on that play. He did what he was supposed to do because there was two open wide receivers and he had to pick one because I don't know. I couldn't get his number, so I don't know who the other guy was.
0: It was, uh, I believe it was actually Burke was the first guy because he was the guy pressed up and Lathan Ransom was the second guy. So, yeah,
1: uh, Burke has been good, but he was not good on that play, if that's who it was. He let his guy get open immediately, and maybe Burke catches him, who knows? But if the quarterback throws to him because Shaw is not there, that's a touchdown. If the quarterback throws to the other guy because Shaw was not there and, and Ransom was literally five entire steps behind his guy, that's a touchdown. That's what it was. So, I just want to point this out it is not a referendum on your team. Sometimes they get a sack. Sometimes they make a big play. Even with like the Maryland in those games, we controlled them, dominated them the whole game, and then they made one good play. Sometimes it's not always your players being bad or your players being in the wrong spot. Sometimes they just need a good play. They broke a tackle. They called the right play. Sometimes your player was out of position because they were manufactured to be out of position. We talk all the way all the time about Ryan Day's offensive genius and about, oh, like the Mitch Rossi touchdown. There was no way they could guard that because they didn't know, you know, that it was coming. It was a great play call. Other teams can make great play calls and sometimes that's at the expense of your team. So I like that he said that because it's true. Like, we're, yes, they're Ohio State. Yes, they have the better athletes. Yes, they have all these NFL players. But look at it. Look at NFL teams. Like, the best teams, the teams that go on to win the Super Bowl, those teams still make plays. Like, those teams still, you know, like nobody's if, – if that was the case, you would, there would be no point in playing the game. If that was the case, Ohio State would go out. Every team would forfeit. It would always be a blowout. No team would ever score because Ohio State has the better athletes. So, that was just a mini rant I wanted to go on. And Marcus Williamson uh, supported that because, as he said, for the fourth time or third time or whatever – I think other teams often make good plays, make the big ones sometimes. And they do, because that's what they're trying to do.
0: 100%. Honestly, we say it every single week, and Ohio State fans expect perfection. And we've talked about recalibrating expectations, because this is a young team. They're going to make mistakes. But if you really look at the play design that Nebraska ran on that play that you were referring to, they needed to get one specific look at a very specific spot on the field in a very specific situation to be able to call that play and everything had to break that way for it to be that successful and it had to be the receiver at the top of the stack getting a free release and getting across Bryson Shaw's face immediately because if you look at the design, the second receiver didn't go up the seam, he went outward so he goes away from Bryson Shaw's vision and that means Lathan Ransom takes this guy man to man But what Lathan Ransom didn't do on that play was maintain his leverage, and it just was the perfect combination. And that's what it took to beat Ohio State's defense this week. And that's just what happens sometimes. Yeah, and the other thing with that,
1: though, right, even if number 17 was in the wrong spot, even if he did everything wrong, let's just say he did because he has a time. Let's just just pretend he did. Lathan Ransom was still five yards behind his guy. That could have been a 20-yard catch, a 30-yard catch, even a 40-yard catch if Ransom was close enough to make a play. He wasn't. So even if it was Shaw's fault, Ransom is still to blame more for being nowhere close to that guy to where he couldn't even make a play. He couldn't even make a play when he caught the ball. Yeah.
0: and So it's still on 12. And we saw a similar Mm -hmm. look later in the game. And guess what? The same thing happened. But they – Got tackled the one yard
1: line. Yeah, and so it's just like hey, they make good plays sometimes. They they call good things, they scheme things up correctly. They spend just as many hours of the day watching film and breaking stuff down. Those players spend just as many hours like Ohio State players don't spend more hours in their football facility, you know, they don't spend more hours in the weight room, they don't spend more The coaches don't spend more time away from their families. It's the same job. Ohio State has better players, but they're on scholarship. Those coaches make millions. Those coaches spend the time, just like Ohio State's coaches do. And so they make good plays sometimes.
0: Yeah, but I agree with that. And, you know, there wasn't really much more of note in the press conferences besides the regular coach speak. You know, I think – uh Ryan. Oh,
1: we have to talk about Noah Ruggles. What oh
0: yeah, Noah Ruggles. Uh yeah, Noah Ruggles. Uh the clutch gene. Uh what was his big line of the day? I think uh I'll hand it off to you. What did he say about the balls?
1: Oh, I don't even know. That's not uh, what I was talking about He
0: said uh that Jesse Burko's done a great job holding and I guess you could say holding his balls.
1: Oh, I didn't even see that. Our kicker <laughs>
0: has jokes.
1: We love to see that. We love to see it. I, so honestly, I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't see that. Um, I was just going to talk about the fact that, you know, one, I thought it was interesting that he talked about how much they, how, how they kick less at Ohio State than they do at North Carolina, which he thinks is good because it helps keep him healthy and stuff like that. Um, but honestly, what I wanted to mention, uh, because we need to champion a cause in the offseason. And this is my motion for that cause. He said, I'm not sure if I'm going to the NFL next year, which means there's a chance he's coming back. And so I motion that Buckoff officially pick up the cause of trying to get Noah Ruggles to stay for another year. Uh, whether that means we mention him on every single podcast, I don't whatever it takes whether it means we tweet at him once a week I'm 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 with it I, I think we need to uh, champion the Noah Rogers coming back next year cause um, He's gonna go to the NFL. He's gonna make millions. He just needs to remember that NFL kickers, when they're good, can play until they're seventy-five. So he he doesn't need to rush it. Enjoy the college experience, you know. Get get the get the master's degree, you know. Like like keep football as fun and not a job, you know. Yeah, like, like, I, don't I, no I, I agree with everything like, you're saying. I just think, you know, Buckeye fans, if you're hearing this, you are, because you're listening. You tweet at Noah Ruggles, hey. make him feel appreciated so he doesn't leave us next year.
0: Where's Rick Riker? We need to get this guy Camaro or something. Uh, come on. Honestly, like, come Eat on. Job, like, job.
1: The last... Local restaurants. Like,
0: uh, Jeff Ruby, we need our guy here because he's got the clutch gene. And you can't teach that, especially with kickers.
1: No, figure it out. I don't know. I don't know any fun, any fun puns for kickers that you can put for like restaurants. But like, just, just it doesn't even have to be funny. Just figure out where he likes to eat and hey, just give it to him. A student you loan forgiveness for company.
0: Uh, like, take your student loans. Let's get, like, let's get a local do student loan forgiveness. Person, listen, I don't, I don't know what
1: it is, but somebody get on that, get him some NIL deals, get him a car, some
0: free food, um, anything you, know, you can within the rules. Get this man because he, yeah, get him as Ryan Day said, he's a weapon now, he is, yeah, he, as important to this team as CJ Stroud, as Trevion Henderson. I swear to God, because guess what, without him the last two weeks, those games are a lot more stressful. Yep. Uh,
1: He he talked about before he decided, before he knew that the NFL was a legitimate option, he wanted to... um Play soccer. He, he talked about how he got to play soccer with some of the players in the Columbus Crew. Uh, season tickets, anyone? That's in the summer. Season tickets. Uh, a couple signed jerseys. Give him a, a yard. a is jersey, I think that's how you say his name. Some some press box seats. You know what I'm saying? Like let him let him come to the Columbus Crew t- training camp. Something like like the city of Columbus just needs to gather around and figure a way for us to have good kicking for two years Without before that. we have to. Uh, Uh, find another
0: guy yeah Yeah. it's not fun to find another kicker like how many games this weekend were lost because of incapable kickers and how many games were lost every college football weekend because of that look at nebraska they missed two crucial kicks that game two huge kicks one of them was super cowardly me and jordan ran about that for an hour uh so with that let's get noah ruggles another year at ohio state and let's go to break to our sponsors so we can get all those no rubble deals as well. Uh, We'll see you guys on the other side. Welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, on another episode of the Buck Off Podcast. We are sitting here live as the college football playoff rankings are out. Uh, Guess who was number eight? It was, in fact, Oklahoma. They're now unveiling the top seven while we're recording. So uh, we're going to kind of lead into where we think teams are going to be. We're not where we think we're going to be, just kind of how the weekend went. And then we're going to talk about where teams ended up as we go. So Jordan, uh, after the weekend, we already kind of discussed this. Everybody's bad outside of Georgia. I think Georgia's is actually uh, as good as a college football team can be at this point in week nine. And I don't think there's really any team that has a case of challenging them as of now. I'm not saying Alabama, Ohio State, or some other teams can't get there, but I do believe wholeheartedly that the college football playoffs still wide open. Uh, I think it's kind of solidifying itself. I think we've seen some pretenders fall off a little bit, and I think once we get this final seven in we're going to kind of get a run down this a little bit deeper but takeaways from the weekend where do you think some teams are going to fall where do you think some teams are going to be at how do you feel about them emphasizing the head-to-head matchups as much as they have
1: um i think that honestly like i don't have too too much to complain about this year um I, don't, I typically don't complain a whole lot anyways because I genuinely just don't think it matters. I don't care what people are ranked. I. This is what I care about. Is Ohio State in the playoffs? Yes or no. And I only care about that in the years that they deserve to be in the playoffs. I do think that this year is one of them. Is Ohio State deserve to be in the playoffs? Yes or no. And that's about it because I'm going to watch the football game regardless. Um, but I think that um, I really don't honestly And it's kind of cheating Because as I started talking They revealed a couple But I was just I was going to say I don't think anything changes I think everyone just moves up The number three lost So Oregon three Everyone's going to move up The thing that's interesting to me And I don't know if they've revealed this yet The thing that's going to be interesting to me Is where Michigan State goes If they stay Michigan in the Michigan
0: is six Michigan State is seven Is that what you're guessing? Or no, it just happen- got announced
1: Not on mine. Yeah, I just got it.
0: Yours is ahead of mine. Oh, Michigan State is seven. So we got an interesting one. We got an interesting one. And this is fun because you guys are time traveling. We literally gotta do a live reaction on this show for a Friday show, which you know, might be cool, it might not be cool. But can I say something really quickly? Yeah, you get it. You take it you take
1: it from here. I officially I Jordan Williams In front of uh, Christopher Rennie and all of you listeners Am officially done arguing about SEC bias Because this season at least The Big Ten has gotten so much bias Uh, Michigan State only fell at 7 After losing to an unranked team In front
0: of undefeated Oklahoma So that means Let's count up the list There is uh, Alabama's one loss Oregon one loss Ohio State one loss Michigan one loss, Michigan State one loss. That is five one loss teams ahead of Oklahoma, and a group of five team ahead of Oklahoma. And three of them
1: are in the uh, three of them are in the Big Ten. So I officially I can't make promises for next year, but at least this year I, I cannot I I cannot talk about SEC bias no more. If there's two SEC teams in the playoffs, I'm not going to say nothing. Like the big the Big Ten bias exists. Right now, um, I don't think it's entirely biased because Oklahoma is just not good. But I will, I do want to also take a victory lap before I let you finish because I did cut you off. I had tried to tell people that everyone is saying Oregon or Ohio State and not Oregon and Ohio State because a one loss Oregon team should be in over Oklahoma. And everyone was assuming. That Oklahoma is going to get in, and I understand why they assume that because we've never to this point seen an undefeated power Owl five team five point, get out, not get in, and maybe and maybe they do revert to that. But I just have a feeling with like they had a chance to revert to it with Michigan State, Michigan State losing, and they didn't. I just have a hard time seeing them in three weeks jumping. Oklahoma from eight to four just because they're undefeated. Yeah. Um, maybe they do because their schedule gets a little bit harder, but not necessarily because Baylor just lost. And I don't know where Baylor's ranked or if they're still ranked because, like, I had this on mute and no one's like, you know, I haven't gotten the, the ESPN notification that lists all 25, but like Baylor just lost. So that lost some steam. Iowa State is a good team as a team, but their record's not good. So that doesn't have any steam. So, like, I just like, yeah. I, I just want to take a quick little victory lap that, like, I've been trying to say that it's very possible that it's Oregon and Ohio State, and not Oregon or Ohio State. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. And I, I will add this to the Oklahoma argument because I am very anti-Oklahoma because their fan base absolutely has gotten under my skin, and this is personal, honestly. So I'm going to go on this. Uh, Oklahoma hasn't played a ranked team yet. They have. They don't have a ranked win. You know, Cincinnati at least has a ranked win on their schedule. Uh, You look at Ohio State, their best games uh, are still ahead of them, and they've already played a much tougher schedule than Oklahoma. Oregon does not have many great games ahead of them, but this is where I'll come in and say the committee is right to rank a mate. And they also, Oklahoma still has every opportunity to make it to the college football playoff because Ohio State has to play Michigan and Michigan State still. Uh, I do believe an undefeated Oklahoma after these three weeks would get in ahead of a Cincinnati team, and I think that is kind of what the committee's saying. Because we talk about this every single time, or I guess uh, we I've talked about this since I've done the show, and you've probably talked about this as much as I have before we got on. But last week we hammered the the idea that the committee only gives you credit for what you've done up to this point, point. and Ohio State's played a ton of top 60 teams and they might not be top 25 teams yet, but that is important. And Oklahoma hasn't Cincinnati hasn't. They beat Notre Dame. That's their best win. Uh, They haven't been very dominant. They have been struggling with very bad teams. Like Tulsa is now below 500 Tulane was below 500. Navy is awful this year. Terrible. Uh, So, It really is a question of what have you done for me so far? And it hasn't been enough by some teams. 100 um, percent. And in a very
1: odd year, the SEC has gone Pac-12 where everyone's beating up on each other and no one has a good record, which is going to matter with that. Are they going to get two teams in? Um, because if the, if, the, if these guys aren't getting ranked wins, it's going to be a lot harder to justify two teams, even if Alabama does beat Georgia and Georgia uh, is... Only has one loss, um, and I'm not even putting out that you know Georgia's not going to lose because they might. Um, the one thing that we didn't mention, uh, Purdue number nineteen, which is actually a, a large. That's weird, honestly. That's a huge. I, I don't think it's weird, and this is why I don't think it's weird. I think this is them saying, "Hey, <laughs> my bad. <Yeah. laughs> you should
0: have been in the rankings last been, week. <laughs> they should have been ranked, and like." you know, everyone was shocked at Minnesota and I honestly think Purdue probably should have been in their spot originally.
1: Yeah, they should have been. And so I think this is them making up for it. Yeah. Um, Cause going from unranked to 19 is typically like unheard of, but like, tell me, does 19 seem wrong?
0: It does not seem wrong when you have two top five wins on your schedule and your
1: losses and aren't
0: really that bad when yeah. you consider everything, and,
1: and one of your losses, because we know they talk about quality losses, one of your losses is to top 10, right? Is Notre Dame still top 10? Most likely. yeah, top, top 10. 10. Ranked Notre, Notre Dame.
0: And a ranked Wisconsin team. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Two of your losses are to ranked teams. And you've beaten two top five teams. Like, you deserve to be in there.
0: Yeah. And it's really... I, I think the... The one advantage the committee has over the AP poll is they don't have to prove themselves right as long as the AP poll does because the AP poll wants to be like, yes, we have Cincinnati as our second best team. We're going to stick to it because last year they flip-flopped and did a bunch and re-corrected themselves. One thing I I do respect about the committee, and this kind of comes back to that Purdue point, they were wrong about Purdue last week. They corrected and righted the ship with that. And I'm not saying that with just – Purdue, like this, is like a big deal because a lot of uh, all the polls have never ever done that. You know what I'm saying? They never ever correct what they did wrong, and it's awesome to see that the committee is willing to look at what you've done, and that's yeah, what it's all about.
1: Well, the polls never correct what they did wrong, but they also never correct for uh, preseason expectations.
0: Yeah. And that's why, like, we kind of came on to the show when the preseason AP poll was released and we're like, hey, you shouldn't have rankings. So at least two or three games are played yeah. at least because it doesn't make any sense.
1: It doesn't make any sense. They're often wrong. And the biggest problem with them is they set expectations. And so whether you're actually the number three team in the country, if they rank you number three team in the country, they're more willing to forgive things because they're like, oh, they're a better team. Instead of looking at it blindly, actually letting teams play two or three games and then determining, okay, you're the number three team in the country because you've earned it. And we've seen that all the time. And that was one of the biggest problems with the BCS is if you started out ranked high, you were good. If you started out ranked low, there's only so there's you could only go so high because of your expectations. Um, and so that like the committee does not you know deserve a lot of kudos because they do still make a lot of mistakes. But ultimately, nothing is perfect. And the playoffs was supposed to be better than the BCS, and it was supposed to give a couple more teams a chance, and it's done that. And that's, that is what it is.
0: Yeah, I was actually reading today. Uh, I, I, I subscribed to Matt Brown's Extra Point newsletter, and he had a special guest contributor talk about the AP poll and its history and like how pollers have been able to rank teams. And he said, like, 25 teams, once you get out of, like, the top 15, the top 12 teams, usually that's very defined, and you kind of know who they are. But once you get to 2025, 20, it gets really hard to kind of decipher which team from 20 to 40 is as good as that team. Because once you start getting into those records of five and four, six and three, uh, you know, in the middle of the season, a lot of teams, it becomes more matchup oriented than it becomes actual what you're putting on the field. And I thought that was an interesting point because uh, the committee – probably doesn't need to rank 25 teams if we generally need it. And it would probably be more beneficial if they gave reasonings for that. And this is something that was brought up in it. The college basketball uses a quadrant system. So uh, when you get to a certain level and you're graded a certain way, you're a quadrant one team, a quadrant two team, a quadrant three team, a quadrant four team and tiering teams is seems to be a more productive approach to that even though some guys who we've already brought up on the show aren't very good at creating tiers. Uh so there's there's got to be more productive ways to rank teams, especially once you get out of the top 25 cuz I still would like to know where they feel about the next 10 or 15 teams.
1: was just not care about rankings at all. Yeah. Uh which And I'm 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 not going to re-go on that rant, but ultimately, like, I'm going to watch the game regardless. And I don't pick game because of rankings. Like, when I'm looking and I have my three teams up, my three screens up, I'm not like, ooh, who's the highest-ranked team so I can watch it. I'm looking for the best game. And sometimes the best game is Kent State. Sometimes the best game is Memphis. Sometimes the best game is, uh, I don't know, name any team across the country. So,
0: yeah, I honestly – We'll start with a top 25 team usually, hoping for an upset sometimes or just like a good 11-13 matchup or something, and then I'll flip through all the games and be like, okay, these are the ones I want to watch because these games are close and they're actually playing like extremely fun football because there's no point in me watching a 30-13 to 13 stinker after Purdue just upset a top five team. There's no point in it.
1: Yeah. I typically start in the big 10 and pick depending on how many big 10 games are interesting in that window. And then I just pick big matchups like rivalry, things like that. But I never look at the ranking. Like I always look at the teams and I yeah. know, like, I, mean, I don't know everything. Nobody does, but I know enough about college football to know which games should be good for some reason or another. And then like you, if the game is not good and there's a better game on that will switch, um, But I don't like switching back and forth from games. I
0: don't either. I'm not a big fan of it.
1: Yeah, like I like to watch the whole game. So unless the game's an absolute like stinker, there's just like a better game on. It's like this game, you know, like that's like about to go to overtime or something. But yeah, it's just like don't worry about the rankings. College football is so much more fun when you just watch it for the games and not for like which media member making $45,000 a year thinks about football
0: hundred percent. And I, I think it's it really goes to show like college football is more than just the top 25 teams. I think a lot of people forget that, especially when you're in the Ohio State sphere. Uh, it's all about these rankings on Tuesdays in November on the ninth. Ohio State's in a good place. And uh, none of that matters if they just don't go and win their next three games yeah so
1: and Purdue being ranked as even better because uh, because this is an Ohio State show we have to talk about it uh, we're already number four did we announce that? Yeah we're four okay we're number four I don't remember if we said it on the show or not.
0: Uh, we just want to read the top six one more time uh, yeah I would go I'll go through the top six one more time it's Georgia, Alabama Oregon, Ohio State uh, Cincinnati Michigan.
1: Yeah. So we're already in the playoffs if it were to end today, but uh, we have games remaining against six, seven, and 19. Uh, and whoever the
0: Big Ten West champ yeah. ends up being so that, will be ranked four because they've earned it. Yeah.
1: And because those teams are ranked so high, they most likely won't drop out unless they, yeah, unless they lose other games, they most likely won't drop out. Um, so we're gonna have those ranked games. So even if we weren't in it, as we've said the entire time, Ohio State controls their own destiny because their resume, like you, we keep saying, the the committee only rewards you on what you've done so far. But Ohio State's going to have done a lot more each Tuesday as they start playing these ranked teams.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch uh, because Ohio State, you know, we've kind of been in that unfortunate position where it's really mattered leading up to it, but they're already locked in if they just take care of business. Like, nothing they can do against these next three-ranked teams, even if it doesn't look pretty against Purdue, even if it doesn't look pretty against Michigan State, even if it doesn't look pretty against Michigan, those are three-ranked wins, and they aren't going to judge you harshly for not just absolutely dominating a team that's ranked.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, Purdue should lose to us, but then they should win out should in the year, eight and four. That's a solid record. Even if they don't sneak back into the top 25 with them losing to us or something, that's still a solid team. And that's going to be looked over. Well, um, eight and four is a really good season.
0: Yeah. Without a doubt. So, Unless you're an Ohio State fan. Yeah, yeah, we would not like that. Uh, uh, At the end of the day, the rankings are important because Ohio State's in a good place. Uh, For teams like Oklahoma, I'm excited to get on Twitter after we're done recording and see the firestorm. Uh, I'm going to go look at... RJ Young, who cries more than a newborn baby. And I'm going to look at a bunch of other people because I like to see other fan bases' reaction more than ours because ours are just going to complain, even though we're fourth. They're going to be like, why are we fourth? We're better than Oregon. It's like, dude, they beat us. Like, just accept some rankings. Uh, the next step for us uh, as we move forward in this show, uh, that was our college football playoff conversation of the week. Uh, We're going to get into the spoiler makers. Uh, We are going to get into our Purdue preview, uh, the keys to the victories, Ohio state heading into Purdue, what to watch for here. But I want to get into this real quick. It's a little bit of a history lesson here and I'm not going to go through every single game, but the history of the spoiler makers started in 1947. They beat number five, Illinois, 14 to seven. Um, since then, they have gone on to win 16 more games against top-five opponents while they were unranked. Uh, so that's important to register as well. Uh, that's a lot of games for an unranked team to beat a top-five team. It's kind of what they're known for. That's why they have a sick nickname, the Spoiler Makers. Uh 17 wins from outside to beat a top-five team. How does that make you feel, honestly? Just... Historically, like they are so far ahead of everybody else.
1: That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, And side note, I just watched Western Michigan running back just destroy a DB at the goal line to get into the end zone. And I'm just, and they keep replaying it. And like, that man has a family. (laughs) Like, 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 his girlfriend is in the crowd. Or, you know, like his friends, somebody's out there. Well, actually, no, maybe nobody's in the crowd because this stadium looks empty. But someone who knows him is watching this game. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, that is just stupid... <laughs> that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Like that is just like that. that is so amazing and irritating at the same time. Um, I will, I will save you from my everyone in the Big Ten West should fire their coaches rant for another day. I think I've given that enough. But it's just so frustrating because how can you do that and not manage to consistently win six to eight games a year? I don't know. But just on its own, seven like 17 wins against top five teams. Um, like like Like, think about it. Florida's coach... Florida's coach, this is not even just top five. Florida's coach who may get fired, Dan Mullen, is like two and seven in his last nine games against not top five teams, against FBS opponents. I think that's the stat. I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but it's close. Uh, It's either FBS or ranked opponents. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has a terrible record against ranked opponents. His is close to 17 games. His is, is, is absolutely terrible against ranked opponents. These are just really good teams against ranked opponents, really good coaches, and you have this one team who is doing that against top five teams, the the cream of the crop throughout the history of their school, stupidest thing I've ever heard of. It just doesn't even make sense. Like, what is it about West Lafayette? I would love to see how many of those games are in West Lafayette. Uh, That would be the interesting split for me because I know all three of the most recent ones were in West Lafayette. Was Iowa in West Lafayette? Was that at Purdue? Do you know? I know, I know for a fact Ohio State in 2017 was or 18 I know for a fact uh, Michigan State was this season Iowa was at either way that would just be an interesting thing just to see how many happened there because going there is, is a death wish there's something about that there's something about that that team that stadium that with, with you have to go there at home um you have yeah, to go there to their home. I mean, um, we yeah, actually think Purdue did
0: go into Iowa and beat Dominican Stadium. That's even better. But
1: like, still,
0: too yeah. okay. So you don't want to go. Last- you don't want to go to Ross Eight Stadium in in November. It, it's just not a place mm. you want to be. Or October for that matter. matter, and you don't want to be a top five team when they're unranked. That's just facts at yeah. this point. Um, so thankfully, they have a
1: ranking and a good ranking. Like maybe they'll, maybe they'll be like, uh, yeah, maybe gluttonous. they'll be
0: feeling a little too confident, you know. Yeah, uh, but uh, I, I did the research, I did some extra digging for you guys just to give you guys a little bit of peace of mind, and it actually did not give me as much peace of mind as I was hoping because I thought, you know, historically, you know, the last three or four. The last three games Purdue's done this against, that they've had a game after, they have lost. Okay. Uh, They lost to Wisconsin this year, 30 to 13 at Wisconsin. They lost in 2018 after they beat Ohio State at Michigan State, 13 to 23. And then in 1984, they beat number two Ohio State, 28 to 23, and then lost to Iowa, 40 to 3. Overall, they are 6-10 and, and 1. So they have one tie after it. That's not going to happen. We already count that one out. So 6-10 six in 16 of these matchups. All right. That is absurd still. Uh, given the fact that a lot of these Purdue teams actually weren't good. They still responded pretty well and took some momentum. Uh, they have played four total ranked teams after they beat another ranked team. And their total record is one and three. And then against top five teams, they're 0-3. So, hopefully that gives you some confidence going into this that Purdue, albeit the upset-minded spoiler makers, uh, aren't always perfect after they spoil someone else's parade.
1: Yeah, and again, I'm just just clinging on to the fact that they're ranked. So, hopefully that... uh, Destroys some of the magic
0: Yeah, and it's in Ohio Stadium It's in the shoe So a couple things for you guys Try to ease your mind a little bit Before we get into uh, Kind of what uh, we're looking at When Purdue comes to town Uh, So you want to do what to watch for For the Buckeyes first Or we kind of want to get into What Purdue's bringing to the table As they come to Columbus Uh, I want to play a game first because
1: I mentioned this earlier and I just wanna see. I just wanna to try to go down the list. So uh the game is David Bell or the field. Gotcha. So I'm gonna name wide receivers and I want you to tell me if you're taking if you think David Bell is better than them. Gotcha, let's do it. Cool. Alright, so Chris Olave. Uh Olave. Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Jackson Smith and Jigba.
0: Uh Jackson Smith and Jigbo, but I probably wouldn't have said that before the Nebraska game.
1: Fair. Uh Rakeem Jarrett. Uh David Bell. Uh Dante Demons Jr.
0: Uh David
1: Bell. Okay. Uh Jahan Dodson. Jahan Dodson. Uh who are the other really good wide receivers? Um uh
0: what's Michigan? Uh Jaden Davis. Uh, is that probably David Bell I haven't watched enough Jaden Davis to know I think he's he's a big play guy You know, David Bell's a little bit more Well-rounded okay. uh, Personal preference uh, who, would be David Bell Okay,
1: who is the other Michigan State receiver? I guess if I can't remember his name, maybe I should just Say David Bell Michigan State has two good receivers I can't think of his name So maybe that's the answer To that question Is there anyone else This season
0: I probably want Fry Fogle over David Bell and I probably, oh, That's what I'm thinking. But now, but I now it's for sure there. David Bell over Fry Fogle And it's not Fry Fogle's fault It just he, he can't put up stats When you don't have someone Who can throw you the ball
1: But but you said preseason, maybe Ty Freifogel. So if that's the case, we have a David Bell at like six or seven? I honestly,
0: yeah, honestly, Jackson Smith and Jigba getting really good kind of pushes them to six for me.
1: Well, hold on. No, even without him, because, okay, so you have Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, uh, Ty Freifogel, again, preseason, and. Wait, did it, is that him at five or did I miss someone? I thought you said someone
0: else. Jackson Smith the Jig will be five here. Oh,
1: okay, so he was top five, but I was right earlier when I said he's probably the fifth best in the league.
0: Yeah. So, uh, and that's. I mean, there might be. I, I'm not saying uh, I, I'd still. I'd probably take R three and then John Dotson over him for sure. Yeah, but but fifth best is not a scrub. No, I mean, he I is not be a clear. scrub by any means. <laughs>
1: I want okay, to be clear, actually, I'm not disrespecting him when I say that. He is very, very good. Um, it, it's more, which was my pit stop in the I 70 show. It's more about the wealth of talent. And some of these wide receivers that we already mentioned, we've already played. We already played Jahan Dotson. We already played Parker Washington, who's really good. I didn't mention him because he's the back he's the second to Jahan Dotson, but he's really good. He's probably top ten. He's he's really coming on strong. We've already played Ty Freifogel. Um We've already played Rakeem, Jared. Uh, so we played some good wide receivers, and, and no one has had a, a huge day, breaking yeah. game. Like, uh, Ty... I don't remember the Fry Folk will
0: do Jahan, against us. Jahan had 100 Jahan yards, got but... It. Yeah, but it was the quietest 100 yards. It like took I, 12 I catches to get there, so... Yeah. Uh, so. I, I got a fun stat here on David Bell for you guys. Uh, Purdue has passed for... Two thousand nine hundred and ninety-three yards. Uh, guess how many of those yards have gone to David Bell?
1: Oh, I already know it's. Uh, well, oh, I don't know the exact number, but I already know he's over a thousand. I think it's like a thousand and sixteen, right? And he's got a thousand
0: and three receiving yards. Oh, was close. He was has close. more than a third of the receiving yardage production for Purdue's offense. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's kind of my first thing. Uh, if Ohio State can slow down David Bell. Uh, it's over. Like, Purdue can't do anything else. Yeah, and I'm just
1: gonna put this out there. I know this is a basketball reference, but David Bell needs the he needs the LeBron treatment. He needs the Kawhi treatment. He needs the whatever. Like, like, like when you play teams with multiple superstars in basketball, what do you do? You say the best player going to eat because he's like that. But we're not gonna let the other people eat because LeBron can score fifty. But if nobody else scores, they're still going to lose. That happened in the playoffs with the Warriors. LeBron scored 50, but they lost because no one else did anything. David Bell could have 300 yards. But if he has 300 yards and one touchdown, one touchdown is not beating Ohio State. The issue And kind of what happened with Michigan State is when he has 200 yards and the next receiver has 80, and the next receiver has 70, and the next receiver has 70, and the next receiver has has 60. And I did not make up those stats. Uh, They had multiple wide receivers one catch away from 100 yards on top of David Bell's 200 yards. Uh, The quarterback threw for 500 yards. So that's the thing. I'm not saying I don't want to stop David Bell. It would be great to keep him under 100 yards. But the biggest thing is his yardage can't. Impact the game. If he has the if he has the catches, he has him. If he has the yards, he has him. The biggest thing is touchdowns. He cannot have multiple touchdowns, and you can't let the other people eat too. Even if he starts eating,
0: yeah. And this is uh, I, I kind of want to lead in the second one. If David Bell gets going, if Aiden O'Connell gets going a little bit, you let <laughs> Purdue stick around. They've been in that situation. You know, Nebraska's been in that situation a lot, and they've lost. Uh, Purdue's been in this situation a bunch of times in close games where they've come out and won. Uh, They are seasoned in this. This is what they're good at. Uh, If you let a decent team hang around with a lot of talent, uh, they are prone to give you everything they have.
1: Yeah, especially when it comes to a good offensive team. This game at all points, it doesn't doesn't have to be – uh, 30 points but Ohio State needs to be two scores up on this team at all times even if it's just nine nine is still two scores this team cannot be one play away from about from tying or winning this game because David Bell is good and he and, and again like just think about it because some teams haven't done this and it's kind of weird and I hope no one in Purdue is listening to this if Purdue needs one score what's to stop them from getting in bunch and sending David Bell against number 12 are we are we confident that we're going to stop that? Because I'm not, because we haven't stopped it all year. So this team, it doesn't need to be a blowout. A blowout would be great, but it needs to be, this game needs to be in a place where one play isn't going to win Purdue the game because they can get that one play. They've shown it. And David Bell has had over 200 yards both times in these top five upsets.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's it's gonna be interesting and this kind of takes us into the next part of Purdue Uh, Purdue's got a really good front seven Uh, their names don't kind of they don't stand out really that much outside of George Karloftis but they have a good group of linebackers led by Jalen Alexander they've got a pretty good secondary they're not like special by any means but they're a solid group that has an act for making big stops and big moments and Uh, This isn't going to be one of those games kind of like where Indiana or Maryland or Rutgers have like defenses that can make plays, but they kind of suck. This defense is built on physicality. They're built on not breaking, like not getting their back broken. And uh, that is a key to Ohio state because Ohio state has struggled in the red zone and Notre or Purdue, sorry, has been really good in the red zone. So, This is going to be an interesting battle. And if Ohio State can't establish a run game and George Karloftis and their group of defensive ends uh, with Kydra Jenkins uh, can get after the quarterback freely because they can't run the ball. uh, It could be a long day for the offense. It could be a day where a lot of Ohio State fans aren't happy.
1: Yeah, yeah. That is, that is, I mean, that's very well said. And so Ohio State is going to have to manufacture big plays, and it may not be big plays of, you know, um, it may not be big plays of, like, we're going to throw a 50-yard uh, post route, which I've sorely been missing. It's very it's hurting my feelings that we haven't had one in a while. But Ohio State really needs to play that. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, get, get your playmakers the ball in space and let them run. Because this is where they can really beat this team. Um, Well, I I mean, again, I think they're going to beat them regardless. But as far as making the game kind of out of hand is running those crossers, but not just like regular crossers. Like Ryan Day has schemed some crazy crossing rounds, some crazy stuff where players just get like some space. And we've seen it. Every single one of our players can turn nothing into something. We just saw it with Jackson Smith and Jigba going. And he's actually done it two weeks in a row, the one week he just got caught. We know they can do it. We definitely know Garrett Wilson can do it. We know what Trevion Henderson can do in space. This is very much going to be a game. Get, the, get your playmakers the ball in space and let them work because we're going to need that just because, like, I'm not ready to say that we're going to score the red zone because we haven't done it. So let's just not get to the red zone. Just give them, like, especially if we get close, if we hit the 40, the 35, where it's starting to get tight. You need to start taking shots at the end zone, and you need to start taking shots. Uh, You need to start giving, you know, players the space so they can try to get that touchdown and not have to worry about getting inside.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. Like, we've been on the same page a lot in this show because we kind of tend to do that. But the best part about Ohio State is they are able to hit home runs. And we haven't seen it outside of those plays, like you said. Uh, Dial up some of those plays we saw against Minnesota, you know, those late crossers, those, you know, deep over routes that we haven't really seen since then. Because Purdue runs a lot of the similar concepts defensively. So uh, go back into the pocketbook. Go back to some of those plays early where you're trying to design these plays for C.J. Stroud. Because, yes, C.J. Stroud could function in the – base plays that you want to Ryan Day. But at the end of the day, he's still a freshman quarterback. You need to get him into some positions that are wins by designs because that is how young quarterbacks get the confidence to make those tough throws late in games.
1: Yeah, and I think that Ryan Day has forgotten at times that C.J.
0: Stiles a freshman. Because um, <laughs> um, he's played extremely well, so sometimes you do forget.
1: But it's time to remember.
0: Yeah, (laughs) And I think uh,
1: two interceptions, two bad interceptions will uh, help him remember that.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, So, yeah, uh, I guess one quick question. Uh, I hate putting these out there, but Purdue is able to keep this game close if they do what? Yeah. Big place. I'm, I'm
1: not like Purdue has a good offense, but like Ohio state's defense has, has played well. And I'm just not sure that Purdue can live with like driving the ball down the field. Like Ohio state has given up a few drives and sometimes they either, I, it's always the first drive of the game almost. And then every once in a while it comes at like an inopportune moment, but in general, Most of the points Ohio State has given up has come off of big plays, and they haven't had that many, especially recently. Obviously, you know, Oregon drove and that kind of stuff, but like we're talking about recently, I'm not sure that Purdue or any team really can eight, nine, 10, 12, 13 play drive, but especially Purdue with throwing. It's really hard to throw the ball 13 times. Like, it's easy to have a 13-play drive when you're running and they're getting seven, you're getting six, you're getting eight, like that kind of stuff. But so Purdue wins this game, big plays. If they're getting big plays, um, big chunk plays, it doesn't have to be like, you know, 15, 20, 25-yard passes, often an occasional broken play where, you know, that's the kind of – I think that's how they keep it close or that's how they win.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the defensive side of the ball because I do think you're right about how their offense would keep it close. If Purdue can do what Nebraska sort of did and put Ohio State into those third and four, third and five situations and slow the run game down early and kind of take that confidence away, I think we're going to see a very similar game to the last two weeks. That's fair. So That's fair. that would be the point where I kind of want to see it happen uh, Because I want to see what Ryan Dan, and Kevin Wilson are made of I want to see if they have the killer instinct to adapt on the fly Which they haven't shown the last two weeks And coach to win a football game Yeah, well
1: I know that. I don't want to see that if they have it I know they have it I want to see them do him. it Yeah, yeah And Stop coaching not to lose. Coaching not to lose is the most cowardly thing in sports.
0: You coach to win.
1: And there's a difference.
0: A big difference. And uh, at times we've seen Ryan Day coach to win these last few games, but at times uh, it has fallen flat. Uh, So, yeah, I guess that takes us into the final segment of the day for you guys. Uh, Let's get into our keys to victory for Ohio State. Uh, I think you've got four really good ones here, so I think we'll just stick with those. If you want to take the first one, because, I mean, this one, I I think we've been hampering these home the last three weeks.
1: Yeah, so uh, the last couple of weeks, I haven't had any keys, but after the last couple of weeks, I feel like I need them. Uh, Ohio State is not playing at the point where, you know, we can just say go out there and play. So my number Mm -hmm. one key, and I put this in all caps, is run the ball. Run the ball. I don't care if it's working. I don't care. Like, I don't care. Run the ball. Run it often. um, And really get your offense moving. Get your offensive line confident. Get Trevion Henderson in space. And run it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, I think this key is awesome. Because... I miss the days where Ohio state would throw the ball 25 times and run the ball 30 times. And just because you don't believe in the run game and I understand you don't want to just run to run. So don't just run to run the ball, Uh, have a plan of attack. You know uh, this is an extremely important game to reestablish that confidence because uh, not next week because Michigan state doesn't have the greatest run defense, but Michigan has a pretty solid run defense. Um, they always do. And Ohio state seems to be able to take advantage of it every year for whatever reason. It's just because Ohio state's better, but this is a game to really kind of get back to that balanced attack. And I think run the ball is a great key. Um, and that's kind of what I want to build off of. I want to see elite offensive line play. That's my first key. Uh, we've seen it in pass protection. I want to see Paris Johnson play his best game. I want to see all four of the, or all five of the offensive linemen play mistake-free football with limited penalties and absolutely just dominate this talented Purdue defensive front.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's going to be interesting. I I think they have it in them, but I'm not sure at this point. Um, But they have to have it in them because this is not the – this is not going to be the best front that they face. So they don't have a minute. If they don't have it in them now, it's just like, when are you ever going to get it? Uh, My second key is check your ego. This is for a lot of play. This is for a lot of people, right? Um, This is for the coaching staff as a whole. This is for the coaching staff with some of the rotations, how much they're playing guys, some of that kind of stuff. But most importantly, it is for Ryan day uh, because Ryan day is the play caller. Um, for the offense and he has not coached ego lists. He has coached with a lot of ego uh, and it has it caused some issues for Ohio state. Ryan day needs to check his ego and he needs to coach a good game. Um, and honestly, Maybe he needs to coach this game like he's calling, like he's the OC and not the head coach. And what I mean by that is sometimes the OC, like you don't get to do what you want. You do what the team needs and what the head coach dictates by their style of play. And maybe he needs to coach like that. Maybe he needs to coach like he's the OC and not the head coach and can make all the decisions. Um, I need him to check his ego, which follows up running the ball because his ego tells him to throw the ball a lot. So um, he needs to check his ego and figure it
0: out. I, I think I'm just going to build off your second point. I think Ryan Day needs to refine himself as a play caller, and I think that starts with ego. I think we've talked about it. When you're a coach and you believe in what you're calling uh, it is your life, you know, uh, you talked about it a few weeks ago when you're like, if I have a team and our base play is power, I expect you to walk up to the line of scrimmage and be like, hey, this is power. We're going to run it and we're going to get this yard right here. And you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Uh, He calls plays that way. And he calls them that way in the passing game uh, where he sticks to his three or four favorite concepts with like mesh, shallow, flood, um, those types of concepts. And it beats teams down when they're not as talented and that kind of and it's crazy because you know what Ryan Day dials up a lot of more crazy stuff when they play in Indiana when they play a team like that so I want to see him take that fearlessness when you know you're better and put that on because Ohio State should know they're better than everybody on the field
1: yeah I agree with
0: that
1: 100% um my third key is play too high um and my that is that key because I'm literally, like you already mentioned, good coaches see what's worked and then copy it. And I am absolutely terrified at the thought of Purdue seeing single high, putting David Bell in the slot on number 12 and cooking us. Uh, so that... I mean, he can still cook us. He's a good player, but it is less likely to happen when you have two safeties back there versus one. So this needs to be a game where we are very heavily too high. Um, and we are, we have two people as that line of defense. We're playing cover 4 we're playing cover two. We're not, you know, playing a whole lot of man. Oh my God. Akron just, yeah, they just got it. Their defensive end just got it touched out. And now the game is tied at thirty-eight, and they were getting they were getting stopped earlier. Uh, sorry, this is this is the issue with watching with uh, recording while you're watching games. Like sometimes things just happen, and you have to comment on them even though they're just unrelated. Um, okay, sorry. Although a three-one Akron does that help Ohio State's resume? You know, turning it back in, uh, it does not. It does at care. all.
0: Uh, <laughs> they don't care but, about that stuff.
1: No. So yeah, I'm literally like, physically, like, I mean, not physically, but, like, I would be terrified of them seeing single high with David Bell in the slot. So, I think this is, and they missed the extra point. Oh, you're so stupid. Now you're down one. That's just, college kick is suck. No Ruggles, please. Please stay. Please please Uh, stay. Yeah, (laughs) I'm done talking because I can't stop commenting on the Akron game, but.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, that's a for sure key because Ohio State's shown that they can dominate in quarters with a four man rush. And I think they can do that this week. And uh, I think I'm going to lead into your last key because this is my biggest key of the game. Uh, When you're playing a quarterback who is really good, but not great, like Adrian O'Connell is the number one way you beat that team is pressure. And the number one way you limit a player like David Bell is being able to get pressure with four because that takes a lot of throwing lanes away. So if Ohio State's able to get the pressure they have been, and guess what? They're tied for first in the country in sacks, and I expect them to be first in the country in sacks after this game because this key is that important. If they could completely disrupt the passing game by sacking the quarterback a bunch of times or just forcing them into rush throws, Uh, This is going to be a very long day for Purdue football.
1: 100%. I can't remember if this is in the country or just the Big Ten, but Ohio State has the most five-sack games or something like that. Um, And this is another game where they need five sacks. I want to ask you a question. Uh, If you know the answer because you already looked at the stats, then whatever. Do you know how many times Purdue threw the ball last game?
0: Uh, I do not, but I think it's probably in the 50s. Yeah, it was 54.
1: Uh, do you know how many sacks Michigan State had? Uh, probably like two or three. Okay. Let me make sure this is accurate before I lie to you. I will tell you for sure it's not two or three. Uh, I can tell you that for an absolute fact. I just want to make sure I have the right number. I'm pretty sure I do, but I don't want to be on here line to people when people stop Listening because they don't think I know what I'm talking about. So I know for a fact that they threw the ball 54 times. While I'm looking this up, one more question: Do you know how many QB hurries Michigan State had? Okay, so Michigan State had. Okay, did you say two or three sacks? Okay, you were right. They had two sacks. And I don't know if this is accurate because uh, ESPN's defensive stats aren't always great, but they had zero hurries. Two sacks, zero hurries on 54 dropbacks.
0: Yeah, and you know, Aiden O'Connell's not a running threat, so that means there was trying to get sacks and they did that that is unacceptable and with the interior pass first at ohio state with how tyreek smith's been playing he's caught up he's tied for first on the sack with jack sawyer with way zach harrison's been playing i think this is a huge opportunity for the defensive line to make a national statement
1: yeah uh they have to they're going to have to especially like 54 drop packs is so many it's so many um so, just, just, just so for reference of how well Ohio State's playing, Nebraska threw the ball 31 times. They threw the ball 31 times. Oh, stop playing ESPN. Okay, so ESPN's numbers are definitely wrong. But even still, even if they were right, Ohio, uh, Nebraska threw the ball 31 times. Ohio State had five sacks and four QB hurries.
0: Yeah, it's insane. So of, out of, of 40 dropbacks, nine of them ended with the quarterback or of uh, what's the sacks 31. plus? Thirty-one plus the sacks would be what thirty-six. Don't the don't the sacks count as dropbacks? Uh no, those are, Oh you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Oh that was stupid. Thirty six yeah, dropbacks. So... Uh nine of those thirty-six were interrupted. By Ohio State's defense, that's a fourth. That's twenty five percent. That's insane.
1: And I also think I'm all, I'm almost positive ESPN's numbers are wrong. Yeah, I, I think I there, think were, there were quite endurance. a bit more hurries than that. So, but at a bare minimum, twenty five percent of their drop of Nebraska's dropbacks were sacks or hurries. For reference, three percent. Let's let's be nice. We'll round up four percent of Purdue's quarterback of dropbacks were
0: Sacks or yes, yes. That's
1: insane. And it's, it's actually less because I forgot you're supposed to do 56. So two... Divided by
0: 56. Oh, yeah, that's not a stat I need to hear. Uh, that's not it's, good. <laughs> Yeah, it's
1: 3.5%. So, pressure, like you said, but my fourth key is pressure, 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 you pressure. You need sacks,
0: pressure. You need
1: pressure. QB hits, you need QB hurries, you need to hit them legally. Legally, please do not no extend this game with ref in the past or that kind of stuff. If it is not half a sack, if you're already not there, don't touch him. But when you can touch him legally, you need to hit him, you need to put him on the ground, you need to get sacks, you need to give him some happy feet. Like that's going to help. Because if they try to throw the ball, if they try to throw the ball against Ohio State, fifty four times and we don't have between like five and seven sacks and like a bunch of hurries. I'm gonna be disappointed. The score's gonna be is a, a lot closer. Way. Yeah, and that is another way Ohio State can lose this game yeah. by not getting pressure.
0: And I, I think the offensive line play uh is gonna be the key for Ohio State. The off the fronts are gonna be the key. Ohio State's offensive and defensive line are gonna be the keys the biggest key position groups in this game.
1: 1,000%. So with all that, goes.
0: with all the keys in, uh, what score prediction do you have before we head out for the weekend?
1: Um, I So it's a, not that I know much about Vegas or betting, but just so I'm only saying this so people know how I feel uh, like with my score. Uh, Ohio State's like a 20-point favorite. I just don't see that happening. Uh, it should happen, but I just don't have the faith in that right now. So I have Ohio State 37-24. Uh, I think we won by 13.
0: Yeah, I think I, you're in a similar ballpark to me on the score differential. I think it's going to be like a 42-23 to 23 game. I'm going with a weird score for Purdue because they just seem like a team that will go for – twice to start catching up I don't know I just see him scoring 23 points it's uh, something I feel and then 42 points for Ohio State and that's not a bad game at all no yeah it's
1: not bad at all so uh, that's what between 13 and 19 points yeah so I, it's, still, it's still not a cover that's fair
0: but I do think Ohio State and I, I think it's close at first Ohio State dominates for a little bit it gets close again and they blow it out of the water at the end
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: Uh, But, yeah, that's it for today's show. Kind of wild show today. We got into everything. We got a little bit of our hands kind of in the press conferences over here. Uh, But before we head out, where can we find you, Jordan?
1: Uh, You can find me on social media at JordanW330. You can find me on this podcast, the Instant Recap, and the I-70 show, which drops on Monday. And you can find me on – Sunday or Monday with an article, Big Thoughts, where I at least think I do a good job kind of recapping the weekend, uh, giving some thoughts. And every once in a while, I put some uh, inflammatory things in there like that. They should fire all the coaches in the Big Ten West. Uh, So if you want a good recap and also some occasional inflammatory thoughts, some occasional good plays, uh, because I dropped some videos, whatever, you can check me out on the Big Thoughts.
0: Yep, and you could find me on Twitter at Chris CFB. You could find the, uh, you find me on this show on Fridays. You could find me on the instant recap after the game. You can find Jordan there as well, and then uh, you could find me writing a film preview for the weekend and a film review after the weekend. Uh, those release on Monday and Thursdays. Uh, so make sure you're checking all that out, and make sure you're giving the rest of the feed some love. Subscribe, rate the shows. Uh, we appreciate all your guys' feedback and uh, we appreciate you guys staying with us this long. Uh, have a wonderful weekend and go, Bucks. Go, Bucks.